How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin's Healthy Matters Show. I I look around and there's Dr. David Hilden. Finally. I came back. You you came back. I you did. forgot I came to turn back. on your mic. I forgot mic. to turn on my microphone. How do you work this thing? <laughs> I have been gone. Thank you, Denny, for, for ably, uh, as you always do, carrying on for the show with my guests over the last well, you're four welcome. Weeks, but four weeks. Four weeks. You've been gone, and you've been missed. I'll tell you that. But uh, you, you always uh, supply us with uh, great guests, uh, your colleagues, and uh, we had a good time. But uh, we, uh, we need you here. Well, thank you, and and I will say uh, publicly thanks to my colleagues who filled in for me. You know, none of the nobody's radio people, as neither was I. Um, and so they come on, they offer their expertise. I don't give them a nickel. I give them a very uh, warm thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And so I appreciate it and to uh, everybody here at the at WCCO for making them feel welcome and for listeners. And I've been gone for four weeks. I am back. We're going to do an open line show today and the two fair, the two state fair shows. In the yeah, that's true, which is starting this week, as you know. Uh, so it's an open line show. You can call in your questions. Folks are already sending a text question at 81807, but call us if you want before we find out where Dr. Hilden went. Uh, 651-989-9226. Again, 81807. For your text messages, open lines today. Four weeks. Yeah, let's see if I remember anything. I'm actually going back to the hospital to do a shift today, and let's see if I remember anything about medicine. I've been in the hot African sun, Denny, so you know I might uh, might not remember anything. But so really, you were in Africa that whole time. I was. So I, I what I did was uh, my wife and I joined about eight or nine other colleagues from Hennepin Healthcare, my mm-hmm. hospital here in Minneapolis, as well as a couple from the Minneapolis VA. Mostly nurses, nurse practitioners, a doctor or two, social worker. And we went to the country of Senegal in the western part of Africa. So if you think of Africa, the westernmost one, the one that's pointing towards Florida, uh, you know, it's uh, um, the country of Senegal is a small little country. It's French speaking, although most people didn't even speak French. They spoke the native languages of Wolof. Hmm. So um, it's so funny. I never even heard of Wolof. And, and, and here there's millions of people speaking this language. So we did a little clinic in a very, very rural portion of Senegal um, on the eastern side, right on the Mauritania and Mali border. So this is like a geography lesson. I had it to is. kind of look up this stuff. Mauritania is a huge country. Um, Mali is where the town of Timbuktu is. Okay. I don't know if I knew that. But we're, we were just 10 or 20 miles from these countries, very sandy, very hot. And we ran a little clinic there. And we showed up on the first day and 400 people were in line. So next time you go to your clinic here and you have to wait for 20 minutes, I was thinking, wow, 
couple of these folks waited three days in the waiting room to see us. Um, it's very poor, but that was just lovely. And then without boring everybody, I'll tell you, after those two weeks, we left our group and my wife and I jetted across the continent, all the way across Africa to Tanzania, where we did a four-day safari. And that was something else because we did it in a tent with a group, just the greatest safari group in the world who sets up a tent for you. But it's not, you know, it's a canvas tent, you can, but you can stand in it. And we lived among zebras and giraffes and more elephants than I can count, hundreds of elephants. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. So when you go, his advice to us, when you, if you have to like use the facilities in the middle of the night, first of all, there are no facilities, but <laughs> he suggested you unzip your tent and take your flashlight and scan all around you in the night. And if any eyes are looking back at you, if you see a pair of little red eyes looking back at you, it ain't a squirrel. <laughs> he recommended going back in your tent. It could be a big cat, you know, it could be a leopard or a hyena or something. Hmm. No, that so was, you were that not at fun. a Hilton? No, no. <laughs> but they really did take care of us. The, we would leave in the day for our little safari driving, look at all the animals. And we did a lot of hiking with a Maasai guide, a, a, hmm. a traditional Maasai guide. But then we'd get to the next site and the camp had been miraculously moved. It's like a mash unit. Two or three crew tents. They had food for us. The beer was always cold. And one of the nights we slept in a tree. You did? We did. So we slept in this tree that this company has made a nest up there. It's literally a nest. There's no real structure except so it's a not like a tree house. No, there's branches. Like it's a big branches. You could put six people in this nest. And so there we are. So you climb the tree and on it they have this nest and they have your sleeping bags and and it overlooks a pond and in the pond's a solitary hippopotamus. Um, who apparently lives there, and he's jumping around and yawning like hippos do. But most of the night, the hippo just sat sat in the pond, sort of submerged, staring at us. And just mm. looking, eyes focused in on us, probably thinking, who are those two people in the blue <laughs> sleeping bags up in the tent? <laughs> so we did that. And then lastly, we took a United Nations flight, little propeller plane, to the northern part of Kenya, right on the Sudanese border, where we went to a refugee camp and did some work with trauma and healing healing for people in trauma and that is one of the poorest people places i've ever been mm. um we should uh uh we as a global community um have no idea what um what it's like to be a refugee and it just opened my eyes a great deal so i bet it did. it really did so that was four weeks in africa i stayed healthy my wife stayed healthy i didn't, I didn't get malaria i didn't get mm. sleeping sickness i didn't get dengue but you you had to to get inoculations before you went right? i did i had a, eight or nine vaccinations before i went wow and I took a malaria pill every day. In fact, I'm still taking them. You have to take them a few days after you get home. They didn't have as many mosquitoes as uh, we have in Minnesota, but the ones they have have malaria, so it's a bigger deal. We slept under nets most of the time. You, you put a net over your tent so that you don't get uh, malaria. You don't want to get bit by mosquitoes if you can if you can help it. But I didn't, so I think well, I'm we're fine. We're glad you're back, healthy. I think I did okay. So it's great to be back. I'm looking forward to uh, doing a show again. We'll do an open line show today. Um, if uh, for listeners, if you haven't been to a state fair show, they're highlights of the year. Uh, uh, every year we get more people than the previous year. Uh, you might think nobody's at the Minnesota State Fair at seven thirty. Oh, you'd be wrong. Yeah, There's that's a, true. It's not as crowded though, um, and so. If you come out to the fair show, you remember what it's like when we first start, Denny. We wave to the street sweepers. And <laughs> That's right. 
Yes. But you can walk through the fair. But it is. It's a, it, it's more uh, – it's a fresh time of morning. It is. It doesn't – you know, there, it's not so crowded on the streets. The, it doesn't smell quite as, quite yet from all of the various – Vendors. Well, vendors yes. and animals. And, and uh, it's, a, it's not as hot yet. And it's a great time to be out there. And this year, um, Hennepin, uh, my place, is going to give away free stuff because, you know – that's what the fair is all about. It if you is. don't get a little swag, we uh, if you come early, you just may score yourself a coffee mug with our Decade with Dave logo on it. That's this show. I'm the Dave. We've been on for a decade. You might just actually get a coffee mug if you come out either of the state fair shows. It's the usual time, sun third Sundays at seven thirty, right next to Sweet Martha's Cookies, under the shadow of the giant slide. Get your coffee, pull up a chair, and come uh, listen to the show. And maybe you'll come home with a free coffee. Mug. You can ask your questions there too. You can even come right up and ask. Absolutely. And if you don't want to be on the air, you don't have to. You could just ask me and during a break, and sure. and I can answer. I can answer your questions um, from the WCCO booth. And it's a it's the best. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of there's broadcasters and the like at the fair. The best one is the CCO booth. It's nice. It is. Yeah, we got a porch. We got a little wait, you know, a little place to sit there, and there's coffee across the street. It's even more than somebody said to me last year. This is not a booth. It's not a booth. It's a broadcast center. It totally is. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a little you're house. Right. Yeah, it's really quite nice. So you're going to want to come. I tell you what. I know we want to take a quick break here, but then we're going to get back to business, uh, answering your questions by phone and by text. Let me get. We've cleared the phone line, so if you want to use the phone line to ask Doctor Hilden your question, six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six. Call now. It's an open line show. Or send a text and we'll pick up on those here when we come back. Eight one eight zero seven. Before hey, we do. Do I have a second to yeah, talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say we had an open house. I want to give a shout out to Betty. I didn't get to meet Betty because I was in Africa, but Betty came by our uh, St. Anthony Village Clinic, which is conveniently located in St. Anthony. And she had a good um, idea. She, we had an open house, and she came on August 8th, and she had a great topic suggestion for the show. And I haven't found out what her idea is yet, but the, the people at, our, at Hennepin have told me, we got to talk about Betty's idea. Let's see if we can't mm. get a show on what she suggested. So, Betty, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. We're working on getting a, a show on your topic, which we will announce in the future. And thanks for coming by. I tell you what, you know what? Maybe let's see if we can't grab. Uh, I tell you, what, let's do this. I'm going to let you sort out some text messages while we take this break. Call us though if you have a uh, any kind of a general health question for Doctor Hilden. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And as we head to the break, here's the text number eight one eight zero seven. Right now in the Twin Cities, we have a cloudy sky, a little bit of that patchy smoke still around. Our current uh, Twin City temperature reading sixty seven. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show this morning, meaning your general health questions for Dr. David Hilden, who's back from his four weeks in Africa. And we, uh, we, we're so glad you're back. Um, the text number is 81807. A lot of folks find that easier to send a text question to you rather than uh, uh, call us. But you certainly may call us, 651-989-9226, and ask your uh, health, general health question. You have uh, one. Uh, yeah, two there? there's actually screenfuls of text messages. People must have their thumbs awake this morning <laughs> yes. because they are they are texting away. So let me start out with this one. Um, uh, it, the first text says, "I believe I have a rectovaginal fistula. Should I go see a gynecologist or a colorectal surgeon?" The answer to that is yes. You should see see one or the other. Um, uh, to give a little more background to that, uh, a rectovaginal fistula, a fistula in the human body is any communication between two organs that shouldn't be there. 
In other words, in this, a recto is your rectum and vaginal is your vagina, and this is obviously in women, um, that uh, it, it, there's a little connection, a hole, if you will, a canal a, a, a between those two parts. And so in this case, what would happen is uh, women who have this would, might have a little bit of stool material actually expelled via the vagina. And that's – you know it's not a real pleasant thing to think about on a Sunday morning, but that's what happens. It can be the result of Crohn's disease, ulcerative – mostly Crohn's disease, which is a form of inflammatory bowel. It can due to injury during childbirth. Just one more thing about childbirth. Um, those are the two most common ones. It can also be from radiation therapy if you had to have uh, if you had a cancer down there for some other reason, and you had to have radiation therapy. You, that this is a, a rare but possible complication of that. In any case, they are surgically fixable. Which which kind of surgeon to go to is um, just find one who does these. Not all gynecologist obstetricians might do this type of surgery. Maybe they specialize more in childbirth, for instance, or. Maybe they specialize more in women's cancer. So find an obstetrician slash gynecologist who does this kind of surgery. A colorectal surgeon, probably most of them would be pretty skilled at doing this. Um, they don't specialize in women's health care, but they do specialize in rectal surgery. So a colorectal surgeon, most would be able to do that. So either one is acceptable. I would call them equivalent. But just find somebody who has done them. All right. Let's go to the phones. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. Janet calling from Minneapolis. Go ahead, Janet. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'm 80 years old. I've always been very active all my life, walking and biking, uh, until this last year. And I had trouble with my legs. So I went in and saw a couple of neurologists, and I've been told I have MS. How did that happen? Yeah, that's a good question, Janet. So multiple sclerosis, or MS, has a wide variety of what we call presentations. The common one that's usually on medical textbooks is a younger woman, a woman in her 30s, often of northern European descent, gets some sensory problems or some visual problems that kind of come and go and go to different parts of the body. Um, That's the most common. It is a little less common to have your first diagnosis of MS at age 80, um, but it is not impossible. It is – it's just – it has a variety of ways. It's not like you're – you know, it's like a heart attack. Not everybody has chest pain. Some people get nausea and some people get jaw pain. With MS, some people go their whole life without much. Or maybe you had just minor, minor numbness of your foot two years ago and didn't even think of it. And and so it wasn't even a big deal. The good news is for you, Janet, is that um, you haven't been bothered by it, it doesn't sound like, for most of your life. And it's likely that you then have a very slow form of it and that it might not even progress um, very much, if at all. Some people's multiple sclerosis progresses. It gets worse steadily over the years. Other people have periods of some symptoms followed by periods of feeling pretty good, then some symptoms again, then pretty good, and it's what we call relapsing, remitting, comes and goes. I don't know what kind you have, but there are decent treatments for MS now. There is not a cure, unfortunately. But I think that you are likely to be able to find a neurologist with an N, a neurologist who can get you on some kind of treatment plan that will keep your symptoms pretty under control. Why does it happen? I don't know. Uh, None of us really do. MS is one of these autoimmune disorders where your own body is attacking some of the nerves for reasons that we're not clear on. So I'd be lying to you if I said I knew why. But I can say with some, some 
room for optimism that yours might be a slower growing type. So good luck to you. Find a good neurologist, Janet. On that topic, uh, I seem to remember reading years ago that you mentioned that part of Europe, but that we here at this latitude, th- there were um, a lot of cases of MS for some reason. Yeah, um, it's it's weird. It's not really found so much at the equatorial parts yeah. of the world. It seems to be at the higher latitudes. Some of that stuff is really interesting. I don't know why. There must be something in the gene pool of people who live in those latitudes, but that doesn't explain it at all um, sure. completely. Sue in Buffalo has been waiting to ask you a question. Go ahead, Sue. Uh, yes. Uh, I have had a heart attack, and they called it a widowmaker. Now, my sister had the same thing just recently. Is this something that runs in our family, or what is a widowmaker? Yeah, good question, Sue. And a widowmaker is sort of a um, kind of a harsh term that somebody said because it uh, it means that a lot of people don't survive them. It's a very old term because you are living proof. You're the evidence that many people survive these types of heart attacks. You're, it, it stems from this um, definition. There, You have three major arteries that supply your heart, and then you have dozens or hundreds of little ones that branch off of those three big ones. On the left side of your heart, that is the side of your heart that pumps blood to your body, your brain, your kidneys, your livers, the big muscular side. There are two arteries that are supplied, and they, they, they branch off a single branch, sort of like a wishbone in a turkey. You know, there's the, the, the single part that branches off. If you have a heart attack in that single portion, that supplies all of your big left side of your heart. And so if it's completely blocked, it's, off, it's sometimes not survivable, hence making a widow of your spouse. Um, but that's an old term. And, um, and now there are good treatments for heart attacks. And I'm not even kidding here. There are good treatments. Time is what's important. So if you have a, any kind of symptoms of, of a heart attack, chest pain, numbness in your chest, um, uh, exertional pain, shortness of breath. In women, sometimes even just nausea that's new to you and it comes on suddenly. You go in and have it seen and they can open up that blockage, hence making the term widowmaker obsolete. Um, you asked if it runs in the family. Yes, there is a genetic component to heart disease. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. But if you have a, a first-degree relative, that would be brother, sister, mom, dad, child, somebody who's directly related to you, who has heart disease, particularly if they had that heart disease at an earlier age, like under age 65, for instance, then yes, you probably do have an increased family history of heart disease. And people like that, if you have families who are all getting heart attacks, you should really control your blood pressure. You should really know what your cholesterol is and control it. You should really watch salt in your diet. You should really um, eat right, exercise right. Um, you should consider taking a baby aspirin every day, those kinds of things. So I'm glad you're, you made the call. It's an important call that affects a lot of people. And I'm also glad that you're um, here to tell us about it because uh, I, uh, that's one of those terms I kind of, I kind of um, cringe a little bit because, you know, 40 years ago they couldn't do anything about it so people didn't survive and now, now you can survive it. But it's still, uh, as heart attacks go, one of the more serious kinds. We have about a minute to go, and I thought maybe we could grab a, uh, a text, and then uh, after the next uh, half hour, we'll do more we'll calls. We'll do more. Thank you. Here's one that says, is there an alternative to Ambien? How to wean off of it? Yes, there's lots of alternatives. Ambien is a sleep medication, but it is a little powerful one. It has side effects. I use it as a last resort. Um, first is sleep hygiene. Go to bed at a good time. Um, try to get a good night's sleep, all that kind of stuff. 
Secondly, a lot of people get some results from melatonin, which is a naturally produced hormone in your body. Um, if you take it a couple hours before you go to sleep, that is sometimes helpful. You can buy it in a pill form, get like five milligram tablets. You could try that. Um, uh, mostly it's behavioral things. Um, there are other prescription medications that are okay, but I would first try these other things first. Um, Sometimes just a cup of warm milk before bed. Um, and if you're really, really having trouble sleeping, go, go to a sleep specialist like the ones at Hennepin. But you can get off Ambien. You can just st- stop taking them quite so often. Oh, take them okay. every other night. You can get off of those. All right. Let's take our usual break. Again, we have another half hour of the show to go. So if you miss getting on the first half hour, we'll have more time. Call us, text us. The phone number is 651-989-9226. Or if you prefer... Uh, send your text message to Dr. Hilden at 81807. Mostly cloudy sky showers on the way tonight and tomorrow. 67, our current Twin City temp. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden has returned and he is answering your general health questions on this open line show, 651-989-9226. There's a line open if you want to use it. I urge you to do so or send a text, 81807. And quickly, Dr. Hilden, for those maybe joined us a little bit late, you were where the last month? Thanks, Denny. Good morning, everybody. I've been in Africa. I was in the countries of Senegal for two weeks on the West Coast and then a week in Tanzania on the East Central part just south of the equator and then I went up to a refugee camp in northern Kenya where I was hanging out with a couple hundred thousand people mostly from South Sudan where they're kind of war-torn. So it was a good trip, a little medical care, a little elephant sighting, a little bit of working with education, a little bit of work with um, – one interesting thing I didn't mention at the first half of the show is that we spent a day with some kids with albinism. You know, you've heard of albinos. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know this, but um, albinism is very prevalent in the country of Tanzania, something like 1 in 1,200 people. So they're relatively common, but they're persecuted, people with albinism, for their skin. There's, mm-hmm. some, mis- there's some mythology that their organs are worth something, so they're, they're, they're actually hunted down and their fingers are cut off and oh stuff. And so we went to a school for kids with albinism, lovely group of kids. They're normal kids. They're just they, – they act like normal kids. It's just that they look different and their vision's bad. So – that was a fascinating thing we had done as well. So it's good to be back. I'm healthy. I, th- I thanks to my uh, four colleagues and to you, Denny, for carrying on in my absence. I don't have any extended absences coming up. So now we're doing an open line show. Next week, of course, is the State Fair show, our 10th year from the WCCO uh, uh, Broadcast Center on Carnes, Carnes, I think it's yep. Carnes. It's yep. not Carnes. Yep. Between right. Nelson and Underwood, yep. on, next to Sweet Martha's Cookies, right by the Ye Old Mill, if you're some of the old timers. Which they've been remodeling. They've been remodeling yes. the mill? They didn't make it like comfortable or anything, did they? <laughs> Have you ever been in that sure. thing? A hundred years ago, yeah. <laughs> I grew up with that Ye Old Mill, and it was, it was like wooden wooden boats in a 
two yeah. foot or one foot deep little thing. So it in your needed elbows. some work. It <laughs> yeah, we're right by there. Anyway, okay. come out there. We're going to give away some coffee mugs to um, people. We have uh, both both weeks. We're going to give away coffee mugs. There is a limited supply, so you're going to want to come out there at seven thirty to the Minnesota State Fair shows. Is that all our housekeeping I think stuff, so. Danny? All right, let's hit the phones. All right, let's do that. Folks have been waiting, like uh, Anne in Minneapolis. Anne, thank you very much. What's your question for the doctor? Uh, yes, thank you for a wonderful program. Um, I'm in, in concerned about a um, problem called Charles Bonnet syndrome. I'm wondering if you could tell me something about it, if it could be drug-related, and uh, what causes it, and if it's dangerous. Yeah, um, those are great questions, Ann. I, I'm going to start off my comments about Charles Bonnet syn- uh, syndrome with a caveat. It is uh, something I do not see uh, very often, uh, and it's, uh, um, uh, it's outside of my area of expertise. Um, in French, it would be Charles Bonnet. English people sometimes say Charles Bonnet because it has a T at the end, sort of like Chevrolet. Um, it's a condition in which um, people who have visual loss um, – have hallucinations. So you're still seeing things um, uh, even though your vision's going and they're in your head. Um, and so a lot of people mistake it for dementia or other um, kind of cognitive problems, but it's a function of your vision loss and it's not completely understood why. There isn't a great treatment for it other than things like making sure that you have, you've seen an eye doctor, that your vision's being taken care of, and also knowing that you're not losing your mind. That's the other thing. People think they're, they're developing um, uh, uh, some mental illness in which they're seeing things, and that's not the case. Um, so it's more a supportive care type of thing. Is it dangerous? Well, it's not particularly dangerous to your life, uh, Anne, but, but, but it is disconcerting. Um, if you're losing your vision and then you're seeing weird things, that's disconcerting. And so the dangers are more along the lines of your uh, mental well-being so that you feel good about yourself, so that you're not um, overly stressed about it. And, of course, just the re- usual dangers with having visual loss. You know, it's hard to drive. It's hard to carry on your life. So those are the, those are the main things. Uh, that's all I'm going to be able to say, Ann, because I don't know more about it than that. I think I've given you the sum total of what okay. I know. It's a good question. All right. 651-989-9226. I know we'll get back to the tech screen in a moment, but uh, uh, Carolyn is calling in from Roseville. Carolyn, what is your question? Well, I have spinal stenosis, and it just started, and I have extreme pain in my in my butt and down my leg, and I've gotten one shot of steroids, <clears throat> and she's talking about doing an epidural, and so I just wondered what he can say about this and yeah. How do I get rid of it? Yeah, Carolyn, I'm sorry you're not feeling well with that. And, and because what Carolyn is describing, spinal stenosis, is, is a painful condition and it's sometimes hard to alleviate. Stenosis means narrowing. Spinal is obviously your spine. And it's often in, it can be up in the neck, it's often in the low back, which is probably is with you. The, the, usually due to arthritis, the wearing and tearing of your bones um, in the cartilage. The, the spinal canal narrows and it pinches your, your spinal cord and the nerves that come out of your spinal cord and that causes pain in the low back, um, down your, uh, in your rear end, like you said, and down even all the way down into your legs. The, there is a surgery. The ultimate thing is a surgery, but um, it's not always simple and it's not always um, effective, but that's, that's something you could consider if it's really bad. I do think the idea of your um, steroid injections are reasonable. Steroids are potent anti-inflammatories, 
And if some, if anything, your body's getting pinched and inflamed, that'll hurt more. The problem with steroids is that it doesn't relieve the what's pinching your spine at all. And so it's only a temporary relief. The epidural is a way to put some pain medications or some medications directly into the spinal space. And I think that's a reasonable idea. Again, it doesn't cause – only a surgery will reverse the, the cause of it, the pinching of your nerves. Only a surgery, a surgery would do that. But I would try the epidural stuff first and use surgery as a last resort. Um, I do recommend other things like um, physical therapy. I do recommend being active and exercise to the degree that you can. And I think you might also want to consider acupuncture. I don't know how acupuncture works. I'm not sure anybody does, but we do have thousands of years of experience that it's at least a reasonable thing to try. It too does not get rid of the pinching of your nerve, but it might alleviate some of the hmm. um, pain. All right. Uh, Elna is calling from Maple Grove. Then we'll uh, grab some text messages. Elna, you're on with Dr. Hilden. I'm in Minnetonka. He got that wrong, but that's okay. Oh, that's okay, okay Elna. Right. Hi from Minnetonka. I have carpal tunnel, I guess. Okay. The first doctor I went to didn't even didn't do anything. He gave me a brace. So I wasn't satisfied because it kept on. It's the tingling in the fingers. Right. The right hand. And I went to a second one. He said, well, we don't treat carpal tunnel with surgery so much anymore. We use cortisone. So I endured that incredibly painful cortisone shot. But nothing. It's still the tingling in the fingers. So what, what's my next step? Right. It is probably surgery, Elna. So um, just, to, just to back up a couple, your symptoms are classic, numbness, tingling, pins and needles, things like that in your hands. It's due to nerves getting pinched in what's called the carpal tunnel that is in the wrist. Um, I don't think the first doctor did nothing, though, um, because that is what we would do 100% of the time to everybody is start out with neutral wrist braces. We put usually a Velcro them on. Ideally, you'd wear them 24 hours a day. But nobody does. But at least wear them at night. And the more you wear them, the more it, it can reduce inflammation due to reducing motion in there. Um, but as you have said, and which I fully believe, it doesn't help everybody, um, but it's just an easy thing to try. You need to try the wrist braces nearly every day or every day for months, months. And, if, and you can't say it didn't work if it was just a few weeks. But you are – in good company. A lot of people say that doesn't work. And so I don't actually agree with the second doctor who said we don't do surgeries anymore. Yeah, we do. Um, that surgery is not that big a deal for, for a hand surgeon. And so once you've tried the injections, which is a, th- a reasonable thing to try, uh, I, I would see a hand surgeon. Elna. I think it's a reasonable thing if it's debilitating for you. If you're having all these symptoms and nothing else is working, the surgeries can sometimes help. I don't recommend surgery for people right out of the gate, but you've tried other things. It's, it probably is – I'm obligated to tell you whatever you do with your hands, look at your lifestyle and see if there's anything you can change. If you're a concert pianist, I can't really tell you to change that. But maybe you use keyboards a lot. Maybe find an ergodynamic keyboard that puts your wrist at the right positions. If you happen to operate a jackhammer, consider you getting a different job, um, things like that. But I know that's not always easy to do. I do recommend a hand surgeon. Her name is Jackie Geisler. She works at Hennepin. She's one of the best, and she specializes in nothing but hands. Geisler, G-E-I-S-S-L-E-R. So best wishes to you. I think your next step is an orthopedic surgeon, Elna. All right. We need to take a real fast break, and we'll uh, pick up on some text messages that have been coming in. 68 degrees here on Seas here, heading for highs of around 85 today, and we do expect showers and thunderstorms likely tonight and tomorrow. You stay tuned to CCO. Again, 68 degrees. 
And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters, an open line show today, which means your general health questions for Dr. Hilden. As you can see, Dr. Hilden, a lot of text messages. Let's get to some of them. Here we go. Here's one that says, I do not recall ever having chicken pox. So do you recommend getting a shingles vaccine shot? The answer to that is yes. A related question is, I forgot to ask about the shingle shot. Is there an age limit? No. Um, this 80-year-old wants to know that. Um, you should get the shingle shot if you're age 60 or above. Some people recommend even age 50 above. Your previous history of chickenpox does not matter. Um, the, the new vaccine is over 90 to 95% effective, which in the old vaccine was only 60% effective. So even if you got the old vaccine, go get the new vaccine. That's what I recommend. Here's a one that says, morning, could my chronic Achilles tendinitis be from Cipro? Probably not. Um, uh, there is a rather devastating complication of levofloxacin, which is in the same family as Cipro. But the complication is rupture of the Achilles tendon. It literally tears either partially or all the way through. If you are an older adult or if you are someone who's very active or if you have other kind, you know, so you need your Achilles tendon really bad, you might want to avoid levofloxacin for that reason. I'm not aware of chronic tendonitis being from Cipro, although, of course, I could be wrong, um, but I've not heard of that. Um, here's one that says, do blood pressure readings vary between the right and left arm? And which would read higher? They're not supposed to, but sometimes they do. And in fact, if your blood pressure is different between your left and right arm, it often means there's a problem in your blood vessels, particularly the ones that are right by your heart, because a lot of the blood's going to one arm and it's, it doesn't have a chance to go to the other arm. So your blood pressure, the best way to check blood pressure, as a matter of fact, is to check it in both arms. And I'll bet no listener out there has ever had that done in the doctor's office because we're always rushing you through. Yeah. Rush, 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 rush. But it's the best way to do it in both arms and take an average. They should be roughly the same. And if they're not, it's um, kind of a problem. Uh, maybe not a severe problem, but a problem. Here's a question that says, what is water on the knee? What causes it? How to heal it? That's from K and YZ. Thank you for your text, K. Well, water on the knee can be a number of things. The medical term for that um, would be a uh, – uh, what am I trying to say? Um, a joint effusion, effusion, fluid. Um, it can do to inflammation, which can be from uh, an inflammatory arthritis like rheumatoid arthritis. It can be due to a non-inflammatory arthritis like osteoarthritis. It can be due to trauma. Um, it can be due to a cyst in there. It can be due to a lot of things. It can be due to infection, and that's the one time it's very serious. If you have an infection in your knee, that can look like water. But most of them, it's a benign condition due to inflammatory or a non-inflammatory arthritis. If it's causing problems in your knee, you can have it aspirated or removed with a needle. And if things are really bad, you can have a surgery. Um, here, somebody wants to know, what is Fuchs disease? Tell me uh, I need a corneal transplant. That is spelled F-U-C-H-S, Fuchs disease. Again, this is something that's outside my area of expertise. But what it is, it's a corneal problem. Uh, you get kind of um, – I think your cornea gets misshapen or deformed or disturbed some way and it gets kind of um, uh, inflamed. So people with this problem often have um, halos around the things they see. They're often vision is bad, particularly first thing in the morning and it gets better as the day wears on. Treatment is generally um, corneal transplant. I don't um, – somebody might know the cause of it, but I'm sorry to the texture. I don't. Um, it's a little outside my area of expertise. We have time for some more here? Oh, Sure. All right, here's one that says, what do you recommend for someone who has low sodium and high blood pressure? You get your blood pressure down no matter how you need to. So get on a medication to get your blood pressure. We'd love it to be 120 over 70, 
will tolerate 130 over 80. If it's 140 over 90, it's too high. Okay, so get it down. There's many medications to do that. Low sodium in your blood does not necessarily mean you have not enough salt. It's, a, it's, it's counterintuitive, but low sodium simply means you have a concentration. You have too much water, actually. So low sodium can be due to dehydration. It can be due to um, heart problems, liver problems, kidney problems. It can be due to medications. So the two may or may not be related. What I don't want you to do is start eating a whole bunch of salt. Um, go to your doctor and figure out the cause of the low sodium and get your blood pressure down. A lot of people say I have low sodium, so they start eating salt. Mm-mm. That is n- almost never the right thing to do. Okay. What else do you have? Here we go. What's the difference between mitral valve repair versus replacement? Your mitral valve is one of the big valves on the left side of your heart between the upper and lower chambers of the left side of your heart. And if it's leaky or if it doesn't open well enough, you can land, land you in heart failure. We used to just replace them. I use we loosely. I've never replaced one. A cardiac surgeon would replace them. That's a big deal, and it's very successful. So if you need a mitral valve replacement, they take out the old one, and they put your heart on a pump um, so it stops having to work for the time when they're doing it, and they sew in a new one, and it's very successful. However, what if you could just fix it and leave your native valve in there? That's a good idea, and the, the advances in surgery have come a great long way. So sometimes they can repair the valve without having to replace it. That's a decision beyond my area of expertise, but do talk to your cardiac surgeon to see which is the better one for you. Um, you don't want to repair it and have to repair it every year. Um, so uh, um, sometimes they can fix them without replacing. All right. We have, uh, boy, about uh, a minute to go or less. Okay, let's see. Um, this one I am going to read. It just says, Dr. Hilden, you might recommend occupational therapy that last caller. A good therapist could help her sort through things in her life that she could change to perhaps alleviate some of the pain. Um, and if she gets surgery, she will likely end up here anywhere. That is for the person with spinal stenosis. I completely agree. And my apologies to the occupational therapists out there. They're awesome. They're very good. So the person with spinal stenosis, you might want to consider an occupational therapist. That's a really, really, really good idea. I would do that before surgery. Very good. And thank uh, their texter for, for that. Uh, we are going to be at the Minnesota State Fair a week from today for the next two weeks, as a matter of fact. Two weeks. Come out and see me. Get a free coffee mug if you get there in time. It'll be an open lines, both, so you can uh, still call in, still text in, but come up to the uh, – to the. we'll be out there on the veranda, on the porch. Indeed, we will. We'll hope it's nice weather, but we'll be out there rain or shine, right next to Sweet Martha's, right by the Ye Old Mill. Come see us. And if you need to get a hold of a doctor and maybe you need a primary care doc, what's the best yeah, number? Yeah, we have them all over the place. I'd start out with HennepinHealthcare.org, HennepinHealthcare.org, or call us at 612 873 Sixty-nine, sixty-three. CCO temperature reading 68 degrees. We're on our way to your money next here on 830-WCCO. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 